Um, hey, Merry Christmas. Merry Mind Gold Christmas from Glen Eden, Auckland. This is a spontaneous episode with my dear brother. His name is Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Sarah. How's it going? So good, mate. How are you? Not bad. So we are sitting in the uh, basement of my parents' place where we both grew up um, on a couch, which we've just discovered has mold on it. Um, my parents are totally going to listen to this episode too. So guys, if your couch has mold on it, you might want to clean it, just FYI. Um, we're surrounded by a DVD collection and um, we're like meters from my old bedroom where some shit went down. Later, Back in the late, day. Later, my bedroom. <laughs> also later, my brother's bedroom where no where shit. nothing went down. Nothing would have gone down ever. Um, lol. Anyway, it's Christmas Day and we're just enjoying a casual beer and some Ferrera Rochers. And uh, I thought Stephen should be on the podcast for a few reasons. Like, one, he's my brother, so obviously that's pretty cool. Two, he's a ranger, um, so that's a bit special for him. Um, and also he is probably going to the Olympics, which is pretty epic. Like for reals, like as a weightlifter, people often don't understand my support and they're like, oh, Sarah's going to the Olympics. And it's really embarrassing because I have to correct them very quickly and be like, no, I'm not. No, this is literally like recreational. Um, I take my sport very seriously, but I'm not very good at it. I'm not going to the Olympics, like ever, 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 ever. So please do not say that. That's very embarrassing. He, however, is probably going to the Olympics. So definitely worth an episode and a conversation. So why don't you tell everyone why you're going to the Olympics, oh, Stephen? Well, prob probably going is a bit of a stretch. Um, it's possible, but it's still it's still a ways away. Um, but anyway, I do archery. So I have been competing. At, I've started, been doing archery since I was 13, so 17, 17 years worth with a small break. Uh, a couple of years ago when I owned a, a gym, which we'll probably get back to at some stage. Yeah, he beat me at my own goal of owning a CrossFit gym, which is not my goal anymore, but it was. <laughs> I can tell you how it, how it works out, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, probably don't don't open a CrossFit gym. Well, open a CrossFit gym if you like CrossFit. Yeah. Don't open one if you don't. And probably not if you've already got a full-time job as well. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, lessons learned. Um so anyway, I've I've been shooting pretty consistently at a high level since I was about thirteen or fourteen. I there's um we were explaining this before talking to Sarah about this. So just like just like lifting, there's a whole bunch of lifting, right? Powerlifting, bodybuilding, all these various things. Only one of them goes to the Olympics, weightlifting. The and one I, I do. Yeah, the one you do. I won't be going to the Olympics. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, you might. <laughs> Don't be that person. <laughs> Don't be that fucking person. If I have to deal with that shit, you do too. Um, archery is the same. There's a whole bunch of different versions of archery. There's a whole bunch of different divisions and bow types and classes and organizations that compete. And only one of those goes to the Olympics, uh, which is a recurve archery, often known as Olympic recurve, just like weightlifting is Olympic weightlifting. Uh, and so after I was shooting for about six years, just in a non-Olympic type of archery, I, I won a world title and some nonsense no one cares about. Oh, that's pretty cool. I care about it. I'm sure our listeners... Oh, dad, dad listens, he'll care. He, he might care about it. Anyway, <laughs> I don't care about it, so it wasn't that big a deal. Um, but I changed to, I met a new coach, and he changed me to the class that could go to the Olympics with the goal of shooting in London in 2012. So I was just finishing high school, um, and I finished high school. Well, my dear parents wanted me to go to university and be the good boy and 
rack up some debt and um can i just say that i went to university and i got literally no fucking props for that because <laughs> i was such a little cunt before i went to university that it was like <laughs> you've just fucked it <laughs> You're would, just such an absolute brat. So for those that have never seen Sarah and I together, uh, you really should because you'll think we're adopted. It's kind of brilliant. We have similar senses of humour, I think. Yeah, we do. But we don't look very similar. Um, I have zero tattoos, for example. Uh, and while she's quite outgoing and, you know, lights up a room, I was afraid of balloons until an embarrassingly old age. Oh, my God, I'm so glad you said the balloon thing. You were scared of balloons and answering the phone and just talking on the phone in general. One time my parents sent me to the dairy to buy some cream and they didn't give me enough money to pay for it. And the dairy person <laughs> took the money and said, that's not enough. And I shat myself and ran home. And Did you a... actually shit yourself? No, no figuratively. <laughs> um, thank God. Um, but I was afraid of going to the dairy for about two years. So... <laughs> parenting parenting can swing wildly different directions whereas and... i was like smoking cigarettes out of your bedroom window when you were at school yeah so that it would be blamed on you which never should was, i be discovered because they knew i didn't have a sack to be smoking but it was really bedroom. obvious that it was me especially when mum saw me standing on your bed smoking out the window so yeah i didn't even know that i just found that out now <laughs> not the worst thing ever on this podcast i bet no definitely not so Anyway, it gives you a little insight into how my brain works. But we've always, like, got on. We've oh, always yeah. got on. We've always got on. It's just that you were too cool for me, and I was afraid of balloons, and I can accept that. I've never been cool. I just um, had some sometimes. <laughs> anyway. Some fucking times. Anyway. A, we all had our, we had our issues. Um, we chose to deal with them in different ways. My way was shooting arrows at targets and pulling them out again and doing it again. You know, I was again. always, like, super envious of your relationship with Dad because basically, like... Stephen and Dad's, like, archery thing was, like, this little, like, fucking boy club, like, bonding thing, like, back when Stephen was younger. And I, like, just didn't get included because I was too busy, like, you know, smoking ciggies and, like, pashing boys and, like, parks. So I didn't get to do that. Um, and then now Stephen's going to the Olympics. And I'm not bitter, I'm just saying. I got, I got, I got... <laughs> I got taught how to bow hunt by a guy that turned out to be a pedophile. So oh, this is that. a really good story. Okay. Should, so this, when this, this is, in this is, I don't fucking care. It's my podcast. So this is the best story. Okay. <laughs> so when Stephen was like, how old were you? Like 14. Like, okay. So like pedophile, like age range. Old, well, a bit old anyway, but you know, they've got different types. Like everyone's got types. Pedophiles would have types. I was probably quite underdeveloped, so perhaps probably he, about He probably right looked age. about 10. Like at least an 11-year-old. Anyway, there was like this older man at the archery club who took like a real interest in him and was like giving him all these private tutorials, um, etc. And me and mum were like, well, he's obviously a pedophile, like clearly. Um, and me and dad were like, no, he's just a nice guy. They got super pissed off and yeah. were like, oh, you guys are just being like really judgmental and like there's nothing wrong with like an older man taking interest in like a younger boy. How bad's that sentence though? Like, obviously. Yeah, but like, we took, <laughs> we, this is going to sound so bad, but we took offense to mum saying like, oh, he's got all these markers. He's got all the warning signs. We're like, red flag. He was like a pedophile red flag. Just because he was single. And anyway. And that he was a pedophile. Anyway. But um, you know what the biggest red flag was? No. When he actually got convicted of being a pedophile and went to prison. That, that was probably the biggest. I, I will admit it raised some concerns. It did raise some questions. But anyway, me and mum were more like happy that we were right than like concerned that Stephen may have uh, gotten molested. And, and but you didn't. As far did as did you, you imagine if... <laughs> Fuck. 
no, awkward no, no. Christmas Day reveals. No, no, no. So, so skipping, skipping a year or Apologies so. Apologies to anyone who's triggered by this. I should have said that at the beginning. Yeah, I didn't um, realize we were going to get into the whole Pat situation. You knew you were. Yeah, you knew right. this was going in. Um, it's a very important part of my archery <laughs> development. Uh, Imagine but, if he could see you now. He wouldn't. He wouldn't be keen now. You're too old. Oh, I don't know. Um, but yeah. So anyway. I'm missing the year that I dislike my mother for breaking up my relationship with this lovely man that that was desperately trying to molest me this entire time <laughs> has now given me psychological scars of the fact that I was in fact rejected by a pedophile, which <laughs> which is quite harmful. To I never know if we can hear this episode. <laughs> anyway, 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 back to your athletic anyway, growth. Anyway, so once um once I met this. Uh, new coach who was not a pedophile because he had a family and kids which eliminates the possibility of being a pedophile obviously according to the marker system uh <laughs> he started training me uh and i finished school didn't go to university that's why we got sidetracked off the university oh how, yeah i was gonna say how do we even get to this point anyway um i just was just desperate to bring it out um so after after i finished school i was supposed to go to university do a degree do all those sort of things but I got really keen on the Olympics. I knew I needed money. I knew I wasn't going to get money from anywhere else. I wasn't going to get funding. There were no scholarships. There was no training camps, no organization with anything to give me. So I got an apprenticeship at the company that my coach worked. And I still work there today, 12 years after I first got it. As an engineer, just yep. so everyone yep. knows. I did actually does. finish my apprenticeship, yes. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an engineer. I, I work um, milling machines. So... For the next three years, we trained, and I spent all my money. I lived at home, rent-free, lucky, lucky for me, at my parents' house, uh, and trained all the time and sent myself around the world to try and qualify for the Olympics. And, uh, yeah, I didn't, didn't quite make it. I was very, very close, and it's a classic example of not knowing everything that's required before you set off. What do you, what do you mean by that, like, in terms of what? In terms of athletic ability, in terms of mental like strength that you develop through the sport like what do you think you were missing to not qualify some of it's just timing in terms of i just needed longer you know four years isn't long enough um maybe it needed to be longer yeah some of it is just that things like the olympics aren't often very cut and dry in terms of simple how you do it you know it's not like shoot the score beat this person you go to the olympics it's it can be very political it can also be very much how other countries around you perform as well so the Olympics is yeah, that's true. The Olympics is split into many different zones around the world. Uh, just just an example, I've been to a couple of world championships in in recurve, and only three people per gender per bow division per country allowed to compete. So three men in my case from each country can compete in recurve class. There was over two hundred and ten competitors at the last worlds I went to. And so that's a ton of countries. Yeah, that's you know, right. You're talking... Are going to say that's a ton of that, guns? That, that's a... That's, <laughs> yeah. It is. It's lots. It's lots of them. Um, and so that's that's a lot of people. And There's a lot of people. And in, uh, to put that in perspective, only 64 men and 64 women get to go to the Olympic Games. So how do you cut that 210 plus people down to 64? And so it's all sort of the places are handed out at the World Champs. They're handed out... Um, in continents, they handed out in random little qualification spots. And depending on how your country performs and the, and the countries around you and, and all sorts of other things can drastically affect your chances in my sport. I know every sport is very different. Well, it's the same with weightlifting. So, like, someone else's scores are going to directly affect whether you get a spot. Like, my friend, 
Emily, she was on a previous episode actually, so she's in the process of qualifying and it's just like an absolute head fuck. Like the Ruby points and the the six uh, international events you've got to, you know, like place at in different weight classes and they change them and it's just like yeah, the, you know, the chances of making it even if you're like, fuck, like she's amazing. Yeah. But even so, it's like it's not guaranteed, you know, it's just... Yeah, it is. It's it's, it's crazy. And and at that stage in 2012, uh, I kind of had in my head what I wanted to achieve, what I thought would be enough, because that was what was enough when my coach was competing. And that's what he knew. Oh, but obviously it's like, it had changed. How, you know, is it like 10 years on kind of situation? Yeah, and it, yeah compl- okay. it had completely changed. And, and in that time period, the NZOC, which is the New Zealand Olympic Committee, who selects the teams, there'll be one for Australia, there'll be one for every country. Um, the sporting bodies of your sport don't generally select the team. It's the it's the overall governing body for the Olympics in your country that do. Okay. And so my mission is not to prove that I'm the best archer in the country or whatever, because I've done that. It was prove to the NZOC that I could make their requirements. So and what are their requirements as opposed to the actual scores that you need? So their requirements is top 16 in the world. They, they, want, they want anyone that goes to the Olympics for New Zealand that they can prove that they are expecting at least a top 16 with the intention of being top eight. Fuck. So that's that's just New Zealand. Every country has their own thing. Um, it seems weird that they'd rather have just like no one go at all. 100%. And that's why <laughs> and that's why no one's been to the Olympics for New Zealand in archery since 2004. Wow. So if you go, it's like kind of a massive deal. I mean, even more than it would be normally. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, it just shows you, it's just just changes. The, the circumstances change and all sorts of things. So so that's the deal. And so that's why I missed out back in 2012. And I nothing that I couldn't have succeeded in if I just shot better. I just needed some better scores, some better results, some matches to go one go my way, and I could have made it. But I didn't. Um, that's fine. I, you know, life goes on. I uh, went to a non-Olympic version of the sport just for fun and just kept shooting and, and kept winning stuff and just enjoying <clears throat> enjoying the sport. So what do you think's changed for you now, despite obviously the fact that you've got another, you know, several years of technical skill under your belt? Has anything else changed for you that you think now would, is going to be your time to, to get there? It's it's interesting. Uh, I guess age helps a lot. Like just the maturity. It's you go through stuff whether you want to or not, and you you feed off it in terms of in terms of life experience and perspective and what matters and what doesn't. And so I had, I had quite a long time when I didn't care about the Olympics. I didn't even think about it in 2016. Uh, I don't think I was even shooting a recurve bow. And then I had a, had some time on it again and shot some, some good scores again and still not considering Tokyo 2020, not even interested. Uh, I brought a gym. I tried to, I basically gave up on my hobbies and just tried to run a gym and run some other stuff. And then at the end of last year, that all fell apart and, was sort of just searching for something to do, you know, something to make myself feel <laughs> like some self-worth and, and that I've got something to offer. And and I picked the bow up again and, and shot semi-seriously for six months and just broke PB after PB and won comps and, in New Zealand and, and did really well and was quite shocked at the improvement that I'd made by almost not shooting. And it was like um, just all those, because before I was after scores, you know, it was all about the score and all about winning this comp and all about this and, and suddenly when that was removed and it was just about, it doesn't matter, just about having fun and about shooting, suddenly it's like I had a bit of a release from that 
Yeah, I and, understand how you, that feels for sure. And and the results came a lot better, and I still wasn't taking it seriously until about uh, June this year. And uh, when I went over to Japan to do the Olympic test event, um, which is just of all my archery travels, I always wished I'd been to Japan. I don't know why. It's just one of those countries that you just want to go to. Yeah, you know, same. It's just it's just a like one of those mythical places to go. And so even though I still wasn't thinking about the Olympics at all, I didn't couldn't care less. I was just just sort of just keeping ticking over and I went and shot in the test event and didn't do particularly well for I wasn't training very hard um match play was good my ranking wasn't so good but I shot against a guy that got second at the world champs only a few months before so he was obviously in form great archer uh, from Malaysia awesome archer and I pushed him it was a good match it was really really close I shot for the first time ever for me on the solo stage with all the cameras, you know, in front of everyone, which I've never done before because normally it's only in finals, but for the Olympics, they run every single match like that. So it's everyone gets their time on the stage. And I really enjoyed it and shot well. And I didn't win. He, he beat me, but it was 7-3. It was a good match and it was competitive. And uh, at the same time, about a month ago, two New Zealanders, uh, Olivia Hodgson and Adam Klunsny, managed to win a mixed team spot at the Oceania qualify, qualifying shoot, a shoot I was kind of supposed to go to, but I was selling my gym and doing a whole bunch of other stuff and just not even interested. And they won the spot off Australia. Um, they beat a couple of the Aussies, and and now we have spots. So suddenly there's a massive fight on to see who can fill them. And so, well, I'm absolutely no way near certainty to go. I have a chance, just like everyone else. Um, but ironically, a much bigger chance than I had in 2012, which is which is kind of strange. But that's so cool. Life be like that sometimes. I love that it was kind of like forgetting about it that made you closer to it. I think that that's what I've kind of discovered in um, weightlifting is that like being so numbers focused and being so outcome focused and finding that like time and time again, I don't feel that I really achieve what I want to like on the platform. Uh, obviously this is you know nowhere near the Olympics but I mean just for me like I've got numbers in my head that I want to achieve I've got goals that I want to achieve um and I feel like um progress wise in terms of numbers I'm like so far off them um so I think for me it's about deciding to not focus on that not obsess over fucking qualifying for this master's event or qualifying for this and that and just actually enjoying it and I think like I've made like the relationships that I've made and the community that I'm in and all that. I've just, I kind of love that so much more than like, you know, yeah, a, it's, it's, achie achievement in the sport. It's weird. It's, it's a real. Do you find the same with archery? Is it that same sort of, you feel like you're a part of something? Yeah, hundred percent. And, and it's, it's one of the toughest challenges that I think any athlete has to deal with is, is, or anyone that's trying to do anything is that, it's is that bringing it back down to that it's enjoyment enjoying the process enjoying enjoying that and then the results they are what they are as long as we enjoy the process and and stay uh what's the what's the word they all use now mindful you know of, of where you're at with the process yeah um but it, it is super super hard because at some point someone is going to say to you you need this score and you need this result this competition if you want to go to xyz how does that affect how you perform like having that much pressure on you uh historically not hasn't gone very well uh does it get in your head too much yeah for sure um yeah. i i get really nervous that i'm gonna let other people down i i don't you know myself i can deal with that it's my own goals my own life i don't mind 
But when someone's like, you need to do this because then then we're going to qualify for this. And then, you know, that's what gets me going. And I, I, I get into a bit of a downward spiral sometimes and I'm not shooting well, that I'm letting everyone down and 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 not just myself, you know, just, just I'd, I'd far rather just be me, you know. It's actually yeah. such a funny sport because it's 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 individual because you're it's a score you're shooting it's like weightlifting it's a number you know and if if you lift your best weight and lose you you should be able to walk away happy because it's a PB you can't do more than that yeah you know and that's that's the same as all I want to do is shoot my best and and if it works out that's awesome but you can quite easily shoot your best and get nowhere and that's that's how it is it's I could I could walk into a match and shoot like rubbish. But then the other person, for whatever reason, has an off day and shoots worse, and I win, and everyone thinks I'm a hero. It's just well, yeah, that's the thing. It's not just dependent on your performance; it's dependent on other people's. Hundred percent. So and then there's the whole thing of wanting to be a good competitor and wanting, you know, wanting other athletes to. You don't want other athletes to do badly to your yeah like benefit. Yeah, always like ex- that sucks. Always expect your opponent's best possible performance. That's something that I've always taken taken into every match. You always expect them to do the best you've ever seen them do and in New Zealand that's especially important because we don't have a lot of depth in, in archery we've got some good archers here and there but no not compared to Australia not compared to tons of tons of countries so you, you're often shooting against people and you've got no idea what they're going to do they could put them all in the middle they could spread them all over the place you don't have any idea and so you've just got to be prepared that it's know. not like weightlifting where you pretty much know what someone's done at a previous comp yeah and obviously if they do way more than that you're like ah oh, they're on drugs <laughs> we don't have that they can't problem. possibly have just got a five kilo pb yeah. they must be on yeah we don't have that problem well, <laughs> well at least i no one told me about it yeah it's it's such an interesting thing because i mean it's you know it's all mental as they say and it comes down to it for me it's just about getting to more and more of these competitions and putting myself on that pressure and giving myself the chance to prove that i'm good enough and i'm not trying to prove it to anyone but myself so it's all on me so and how much do you feel that you're like identity I mean you talk about being like so shy as a kid and like being scared of balloons and I mean <laughs> I was there um no, it was hilarious but also I'm gonna that going on the podcast <laughs> literally he couldn't go to a birthday party he couldn't go and he would cry oh fuck yeah it was so funny shut up <laughs> anyway it explains so much anyone that knows me outside of you know that, that... I love that you used to be scared of balloons and now you literally shoot arrows which like you know pierce balloons like oh, that's it's they would pierce the it's fuck a... out of balloons i love that though you've come so far that you're now like that's what you do if anyone's interested you're in the most balloon piercing sport that exists if you go on youtube and you look up bridgestone commercial archery i got paid a few years ago 10 grand to fly to south africa to shoot that's arrows right. at a car tire for bridgestone which is basically just like a giant hard balloon there you go that's giant fucking... hard, a hard balloon as they'd say in south africa um <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, if you ever go go on YouTube, look up Bridgestone Archery Commercial. Please like, do it, guys. It's going to be real sad if there, no one looks up his ad. There's only one ranger on there. Just don't leave me any Should I post? I'll, I'll post it on the But anyway, page. I digress. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. I mean, okay, so what I'm saying is like how much of your identity is tied up into achieving this goal and how do you think that's going to affect you in terms of outcome? Like say you don't make it, say you don't do as well as you thought, um, do you just, you're still fucking Stephen is still a sick cunt who is no longer afraid of balloons <laughs> it's interesting actually <laughs> because it's yeah it's it's come a long way it, originally when I was first trying in my 20s it was everything you know I, I I my whole career was based on me going to the Olympic Games I hadn't looked past that I hadn't gone to uni I was living in my parents house never girlfriend 
I was just 100% focused on achieving that. And when that didn't happen, it was just this, like, I haven't thought this far ahead. Like, what do I do now? And, but it was fine. Like, it's, the world doesn't end. You just carry on and, and you just pick yourself up and, and go on to the next thing. And, and I think I've learned from that so much that this time, like, honestly, I, I really honestly don't mind, you know, whether I go or not, I'll do the best I can. You know what's weird? I totally believe you. I've, I've got, I've got a ton of stuff to do next year. I've got, I'm spending a fortune to try and qualify. Um, I feel like you're way less fucked up than me. <laughs> <laughs> I've been through some shit with it. And it's it, honestly, you get to the point where you're like, you're like it, and it, you knew this quote was coming up eventually. And it's, it's from that, that quote from cool runnings that everyone quotes, which is you can be a, be a man. I think it goes something like you can be a man without a gold medal a, a man full of shit without a gold medal but you win a gold medal you'll still be a man full of shit and i've so, never even heard that before and it's so good because it's true because if i can't be happy with where i'm at and what i'm doing that's true olympics isn't going to make that you know I, I know plenty of people who have gone to the olympic games for archery and they don't talk about it at all it's not like it's a big life-changing thing where you know they're just it's just another comp and, and and they just carry on i fucking love that it seems like you just have the most like realistic perspective of it and I feel like myself I've gotten caught up so much and like I'll show them I don't know I've always had this like fucking I don't know like fucking chip on my shoulder be in my bonnet like knickers in a knot over like a whole bunch of shit from my childhood yeah. from you know from growing up here from like everything and I feel like I've always tried to be like, I'll fucking show everyone. I'll show everyone I can be this person and I can be someone that people are proud of and like, et cetera. But it's like, you've just quietly become that person without making a big fucking song and dance about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I've had, I've had a chip on my shoulder for a long time as well with, um, with not making Olympics the first time. I blame a lot of people. I blame myself. I blame the pedophile. I, no, I didn't blame him. Um, he was fine. Um, <laughs> I love how well, he's no, sorry. Only... sorry, he's not fine. He actually went <laughs> he's to prison. He's fine, guys. He's not fine at all. No, he did get convicted of he, being a pedophile. He's he, not. No, no, it's even worse. Attempted pedophilia. Oh, man. He didn't even succeed. That's know, even more right? embarrassing, to be honest. Um, Is it but, fucking Christmas time already? It's 3 p.m. Not that early. Don't worry about it. Um, but, yeah, it was... Yeah, I don't know. It. I, I did have that chip on my shoulder, and I probably was a dick and and, and felt like people were screwing me over and... and and this time is very ironic that it's just seemed to be coming together with me doing nothing about it. And it's, but that's just how it goes. And, and I think the most important thing is that like, I mean, everyone's such, like I said, a chip on my shoulder, cause I'm, I'm, comp I'm competing against professionals. You know, your, your Australian team is pretty much professional. Um, yeah, but you are a professional also. Well, I work for, I'm a professional with a fresh, professional archer with a full-time job. But I'm sure most archers would have a full-time job. Oh, right? no, no, really? no. Some of them do. Some of them do. Some very good archers that I respect very much have full-time jobs. But I'm just, what, for some reason, I was just thinking, what did Robin Hood do for a job? Yeah, yeah. He robbed people. That's, <laughs> That's right. right. That's that was his job. He robbed people. Um, but no, no, I'm against professionals, especially the Asian countries and the Netherlands. And you're against them as in fuck them or just like you're competing against I'm them? I'm competing against them. Yeah. <laughs> just to be clear, guys, he's not bagging out every no, other archer. No, they're great. I, I, if anything, it's just envy because I just wish I could do that. But at the same time... Well, you can. You just have to come and live back here with the moldy couch. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, at the, at the same time, you know, I've got a life outside of the sport and, and I do enjoy it. Uh, I've got other hobbies. And... Uh, 
And yeah, it's it's cool. You give less fucks from the sounds of it. Oh, you just can't. Like I, I gave so many fucks for so long, and eventually you run out, and then and then you just you know it's it's kind of annoying to me that it's taken this long for it to happen, like mentally. But it it did, and that's you know I'll take it. It's um I'll take it or leave it. Just as long as I'm happy, as long as as long as I enjoy what I'm doing. Uh, I love coaching. I love helping out kids and, and shooting and. And no matter what happens, come what is it May, I'm going to find out whether I make it or not. Um, I'll still be shooting; it won't matter. I'm not going to quit and, and go on a massive rampage or anything. Once oh, I rampage. rampage, what sort of rampage? Like booze fueled rampage? Like a sex rampage? I don't know. Actually, maybe don't tell me. Um, I tried <laughs> a booze rampage once, but it lasted for a day, and the hangover was terrible. Mine was like ten years; it was solid. I don't know how you do it. I think I'm doing it now. <laughs> But we, we should probably go because we have family arrive and we're just like sitting down here talking shit on a moldy couch. Um, thank you so much. This was the best. <laughs> You're welcome. It was awesome. Um, I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. Just your attitude, whether you too. make it or not. Thanks. I'm not a cunt anymore. No, you're not. You <laughs> well, to be fair, I was hiding in my room most of my childhood. so Because of the balloons and the phone. You probably were. were. You probably were. You wouldn't have know. known. No. Unless I came in to have a diary out the window. Um. Merry fucking Christmas. Merry Christmas to you um, And I hope you're having a fantastic day with family, friends, whatever, if you're at the gym, if you're by yourself, if you're with your cat. Just have a fucking excellent day and remember that uh, giving less fucks is quite likely the, the key to being um, a good archer and probably just in general. Own your fucks. They're yours. Own your fucks. Famous words from my brother, Stephen. Um, thank you so much. Guys, have a fucking great Christmas and, yeah, I'll see you next time. Bye. You're going to say bye? Goodbye. <laughs>